0: We are here with the crossover Thursday here on the Locked on Ravens podcast and the Locked on Chargers podcast. Kevin Ostriker of Locked on Ravens here with David Drogemeyer of Locked on Chargers. David, I'm excited for this matchup. I really think that this is a game that this will be an entertaining
1: game, an exciting game could come down to the wire. How are you doing today? I'm doing phenomenal and I could not agree more. Two of the most Exciting quarterbacks in the NFL right now are going head to head on Sunday. Two four and one teams, some really exciting football between both these teams. I could not be more pumped up to watch these two teams go at it on Sunday.
0: Yeah, the, the Lamar Jackson and Justin Herbert battle. There are so many different key storylines, matchups, and anything you can imagine with this one. Both teams coming in at four and one. Here in this first segment, we're going to talk a bit about injuries, though. The Ravens have been hit very hard by injuries. The Chargers are dealing with injuries of their own. David, I want to ask you about the Chargers injury report first, then we'll get into Baltimore's what are the Chargers injury situation? What's that looking like right now? Because obviously the team has a healthy Derwin James after having a couple years without him. That's a very, very good sign. For God. This team, right. But what are the other guys on this team looking like injury wise? Are there any key guys who are out or have been injured that Ravens fans should know about?
1: Yeah, so I mean, starting on the offensive line, a guy who's been out for most of the year is the right tackle Brian Bulaga. He just had surgery uh, to fix a core muscle uh, injury that he's been dealing with. He also had a back injury that he was dealing with earlier in the year. So he's going to be out for the foreseeable future. They did this surgery now because they want to hopefully get him back sometime during this season. But he's dealt with injuries the entire tenure that he's been with the Chargers. So it's just it's been a it's been a bad situation there unfortunately. Uh Kenneth Murray their linebacker is on IR right now although he's scheduled to come back after the bye. He's not going to be able to play in this game unfortunately. But as in regards to this game here and this current injury report, you got Mike Williams who has a knee that I, that's just more rest than anything. I, I there's nothing serious there. I expect him to play. Justin Jackson uh, you you never know with him. He, he's Dealt with a lot of injuries so far, which is is unfortunate for him because at Northwestern, he was very healthy. He didn't miss any games. He was out there. He was answering the bell. But unfortunately, in the NFL, he just has not been able to stay healthy. So we got to monitor that situation. The big name on this list that Chargers fans and Ravens fans should be concerned about here is Drew Tranquil. Drew Tranquil, the linebacker, is dealing with a chest injury. They don't know the extent of it, although they are confident that they don't have to put him on IR. But I would say the likelihood of him being available for this game on Sunday is probably very slim.
0: Yeah, a couple of big injuries there. You know, you mentioned Murray, who's not going to be available on IR, and and also Tranquil, who could be a big loss. The Ravens, the story of the year has been injuries for this team so far. Losing J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards and Marcus Peters all before the year starts. They've it's been brutal. with without guys exactly for extended periods of time. Jimmy Smith, who has now returned, or Sha Bateman, who's actually expected to return in this game, it feels like now it's not 100% confirmed yet, but it just kind of feels that way. The Ravens injury report for Wednesday, though, it was not as lengthy as we've seen, but also there are a few names to monitor definitely. Deshaun Elliott limited with a quad injury. He didn't participate in both week four and week five. He was out for both those games. Seems like he could be nearing a return in week six. Geno Stone with a thigh injury. Also a safety, limited participation. Not really sure what his status is, though. And Alejandro Villanueva, who's really important because of Ronnie Stanley, who we'll talk about throughout this entire show. Villanueva has an injury. He was also a limited participant. The guys who didn't practice, though, Bernal McPhee, he was just, that, that was a rest day. He's That's not really a concern or anything. Ronnie Stanley ankle injury he's been out with that and ever since week one he came back and it was expected he was going to play at a high level but he just was not there he wasn't fully recovered definitely and they've been working with him to try to figure out what's the best course of action he's not going to have surgery he's going to try to let it rehab some more but he didn't participate and I wouldn't really be shocked if he didn't play in this one Sammy Watkins though The other big name who might not be able to play in this one, the Ravens list him as having a thigh injury. It's been reported he has a hamstring injury. So a leg injury, I'll call it. He got injured in that Colts game. And I know the big thing with Sammy Watkins is he's injured every single year. It's like, oh, when's the annual Sammy Watkins injury coming? And it's unfortunate because Watkins is a super talented player. who's really helped this Ravens team throughout the first four weeks. And it's almost just like they're getting Bateman back, it seems like, but they're losing Watkins, it seems like, where – We don't know if Bateman is going to be able to play. We don't know if Watkins isn't going to be able to play. But it almost feels like they're going to get one back and lose another. So that's definitely one thing to monitor. But, David, going back to the Chargers and their injuries right now, you mentioned a couple of guys. Who do you think will have the biggest impact if they are unavailable to go? Is it tranquil for you, and what's your reasoning behind it?
1: Yeah, it's definitely Drew Tranquil because of that other injury with Kenneth Murray. They're going to be really, really thin, at inside linebacker. So you're probably going to expect to see Nick Neiman, who was a 2021 draft pick by the Chargers this season. So the inside linebacker's position for the Chargers is very thin and very inexperienced. So that is a huge concern for me. Uh, And obviously, I'm sure we'll talk about it, but the run defense has not been great for the Chargers. They're dead last in the league, so they cannot really afford to have injuries to the linebacker position. But unfortunately, they're going to have to throw Nick Neiman out of the frying pan and into the fire. He's been playing a lot of special teams, um, and he did really well in the preseason. He seems like a linebacker that can fly around. He has some family lineage with his brother on the Chiefs. So this is, a, he, he is a, a well-rounded player. He's a little undersized, but man, it, that doesn't stop him. He, he, he has an uh, endless motor. So I'm excited to see what Nick Neiman's going to show, but also a little bit concerned as well as, a, as he is a rookie.
0: Yeah, and for me, honestly, the player who I think is probably not going to play, who has the biggest impact if he's not on the field, is Watkins. But if Villanueva somehow isn't able to go, he was able to play in week five. But if he's unable to go in week six, you have a bit of, of tackle depth issues, especially if Stanley still isn't ready because you have Patrick McCary, who's playing really well on the right side. But then on the left side where Villanueva is now playing, it's Andre Smith, who has not been great for a pretty long time. He was a first round pick of Cincinnati all those years ago, but just hasn't been well, that like player. 15 years ago. Right. Yeah. yeah. Hasn't been that player for a long time. And then other guys. David Sharp, the Ravens protection on the practice squad last week, maybe he's an option, but they just don't have a lot of tackle depth to where they can afford to lose not just Stanley, but also Villanueva, who's been filling in at a decently high level. But that brings me to my next question here, David, which is about the Chargers depth, because obviously, and it's not just the injuries on the injury report, but injuries during the game, that can have a huge impact. And the Ravens have had to deal with that for a couple of games. Now, honestly, for every game, where they've lost a guy or two and they've had to fill in on the fly with players and depth. In some positions, they have a ton of depth, and it's like, okay, that's fine. Other positions, there's not a lot of it, and all of a sudden, you're kind of scrambling. Are there any positions, to you at least, where the Chargers have a plethora of depth and you're completely fine if there's an injury where a guy goes down? And are there others where if a guy goes down, you're a bit concerned in a game situation where they have to scramble and find some people?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at the Chargers secondary, they have a lot of uh, weapons in in that uh, area. I love the safeties and the the corners that the Chargers have, you know, with Asante Samuel Jr., a guy we were talking about before we started recording. Uh, He's playing really well. He got a little bit of a, a discipline thing in the last game, but I think that's just saying, hey, you know, slow down, rookie. You know, you need to calm down, know your keys, and go out there and play your game. And, you know, hey, he's a rookie corner in the NFL, that's going to happen. You're, you're going to run into those bumps in the road. The fact that he already has two interceptions and has been played has played fairly well up to this point is really a win. I mean, and that's the way you have to look at it. As far as injuries um, that they really can't afford, it's the offensive line, and I think that's for everybody, right? I mean, you're always concerned. You're always love for the most part your top five guys. I mean, because you know you you know that these are guys you pay big money to. They're going to go out there and do their job. But the Chargers just lost their right guard. Odeabushi. Abushi tore his ACL. He's going to be out for the year. Obviously, that's a, a killer injury. No one's really going to make it back for that, especially in the middle of the season. So they have Michael Schofield, who ha- they've had with the Chargers before. So there's some familiarity there, thank God. Which, you know, if you, if you know the NFL, relationships and familiarity between players and coaches is massive. And that's why you see a lot of players – Go back to coaches that they know and coaches that know them. So if another injury happens to the right guard position, they're going to probably have to throw a rookie out there and Brendan Hymas, a fifth round pick, who is a you know bring your lunch pail to work type of guy. He's going to probably he'll get his job done. He doesn't do anything flashy or anything extremely well, but Brandon Staley. Just based off of listening to him talk, he doesn't really want to throw Brendan Hymas out there quite yet. He doesn't feel like he's 100% ready to go. So if the Chargers sustain another injury in that avenue, it will be catastrophic.
0: Yeah, and you're right, David. I think the offensive line for every team is is a concern at some point because you have the five guys who you trust and then maybe one or two backups who you feel confident in. But then it starts to really become dicey when you're dealing with those types of injuries. Also for the Ravens in the secondary, you know, you mentioned the charges and the depth they have there. The Ravens have been hit hard in the secondary, losing Marcus Peters for the year, as I talked about. And also you have Chris Westry who tore his meniscus. He's not going to be back for a little while. Jimmy Smith, you know, you, you worry about injuries with him. He's back now, but he still is a little bit injury prone. They have Moreland Humphrey. They have Anthony Averett. but for example, Averett had a really bad game in week five against Indianapolis. And then all of a sudden you can't sit them because they don't have anybody else to put out there. They don't trust anybody and they just don't have the body. So that's a position where if averett or Humphrey were to go down or Smith, it would be a pretty catastrophic scenario, especially because even in the back end of that secondary to Sean Elliott, as I talked about dealing with that injury, Gino Stone as well. So we'll see what ends up happening. We're going to head into our first break, though. Let me get back. We're going to be talking about some Ravens and Chargers football, and Dave is going to be asking me some questions about the Baltimore Ravens. So stay tuned for that, and we will be back soon. But... This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Winding draw from pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket, so save time and money when using Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a family business. They've been serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years, and their prices are a lie below. For every customer. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Just write locked on in there. How'd you hear about us, box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com.
1: That's right. We'll Crossover Thursday. David Drugamari here, locked on Chargers with Kevin O. Stryker of locked on Ravens. Uh, just a really awesome matchup. I know NBC wishes they could make this their Sunday night football game, <laughs> although I believe the rules are you can't flex until after week 10. <laughs> which sucks because their current matchup right now is not great. Uh, But hey, let's get into this. There's so much to talk about here with the Ravens, a very exciting ball club. Lamar Jackson, I think, is where we have to start, right? Uh, Lamar Jackson was known as that running quarterback, that that running back really uh, coming out of college. Uh, Obviously, since then, he has erased that stigma emphatically. What has he done to improve as a passer so much? that he is one of the top passers in the NFL right now. Yeah, David, he's he's done so much. And it's been such a,
0: such a treat to watch him grow throughout his four years here. And now he's in year four and continuing to ascend and, and shine, especially on the national stage. Baltimore's had three primetime games in their first five. And while the week one game, they lost that game in overtime to Las Vegas. Week two, he puts on a show, does have a couple of interceptions. But, you know, it's just still growing pains. He's 24 years old. You know, he's still a pretty young quarterback here, but coming out of college, he could throw the football, but he was very raw. He needed a lot of coaching, a lot of teaching. That's not to say he couldn't do it, but he had a lot of room to improve and just get better overall. So what has he done? His deep ball accuracy has improved tremendously. He's been able to work on his outside the number throws and throw to the outside, but the mistakes that he makes have been pretty magnified throughout a lot of circles. I I don't know what it is, but I know there's a lot of positivity surrounding Lamar Jackson for sure, but also there's a ton of negativity and just people who can't believe that he's succeeding, don't want him to succeed, whatever it may be. But he's now putting up the numbers to prove to people that, hey, this is not just a running quarterback and someone who can occasionally throw the football. This is someone who, you know, you've heard the the stigmas of, all right, he can't win from behind and he can't throw. And if you force him to throw the ball, the opposing team wins the game. That's all that matters. But he's shown that week five against Indianapolis. I mean, literally 442 passing yards, a franchise record, just like unbelievable to the point where he is now just – Absolutely putting the words of critics in their mouths. It's It's been amazing to watch him grow. And he still has a ton of room to improve as well. The deep ball accuracy, while it has improved, isn't completely there yet some decision-making from him still needs to improve. You know, he's not perfect, but no quarterback is. So at the end of the day, Jackson is definitely earning his next contract. He's make, he's made himself a lot of money. You know, he kind of, it seems like he bet on himself not signing an extension in the offseason. It's certainly paying off. He's his own agent. You know, his mom is helping him out. And that's a nice duo to have there because it shows trust. And also that money is coming to him. So I'm excited. You know, middle to Lamar- yeah. To yeah, exactly. So Lamar Jackson has been phenomenal. He's still a threat with his legs. That hasn't changed. But the arm accuracy that he showed, the improvements over the course of his career, it's been phenomenal to watch, and I'm excited to keep seeing him grow.
1: Yeah, I mean, Lamar Jackson's been fantastic. There's no other way to put it. And he is the best running back on that team, no question about it. Look at the rushing yards, and and that, that'll definitely tell you he's just electric in the open field. Alejandro Villanueva, who has stepped in to play left tackle in Ronnie Stanley's stead, um, after Ronnie Stanley kind of suffered a setback with that ankle that he fractured last year, is there any kind of timeline on his return or you we're just trying to figure that out for a, for a way that he played in week
0: five, it seems more like a lingering thing for him. He, uh, it, it, it it's, it, it's, it's concerning if he doesn't play, but at the end of the day for, for Stanley, I'm sorry, I should have said oh, that oh, for, Stanley. No, for Stanley, you know, for Stanley it's, there's not a, there's not a huge timeline for Stanley. For Stanley's return in general, it seems like they're just in wait and see mode. It it makes it almost like, you know, they wanted him to come back at a high level in week one. You could clearly see he was not ready whatsoever. There was news that came out where he's not opting for surgery. He instead is going to just kind of rehab it, see where it takes him. I wouldn't be shocked if he doesn't play in this game again. He would probably need at least a limited participation on Friday, at the very least, in order to play at all. He might just be ruled out again. It seems like he's probably still a couple weeks away. Maybe he'll surprise everybody and show up and play in week six against Los Angeles. But to me, I think it's going to be a villain away who fills in again. And then at the end of the day, you have somebody... Who is still rehabbing and getting better, but you want to have him at 100%. That's the key thing. If you put him out there at 70 60%, one, you're not getting the product on the field that you need, and two, there's a big chance for injury. So this is the right move for them holding him out until he's ready, and I think they're going to do it until the time is right for him.
1: Yeah, they paid that guy a lot of money, and you, you don't want to lose him for the year if they can just wait a few weeks and put him back out there when he's actually ready to go. After running more than passing the first game, For two games of the year, that trend has kind of took a 180. In the last three games, the Ravens have thrown the football more than they've run the ball, which is very kind of foreign looking at their offensive game plan. Do you think that's more just game plan specific, or is that just them gaining more confidence in Lamar as a passer? Yeah, Dave, I think think it's both, actually. You know, you look at what teams have tried
0: to do to stop the Ravens offense. And it's been keying in on the run game and, you know, it it makes sense, right? This Ravens team, a historic rushing offense for the last couple of years, but without JK Dobbins and without Gus Edwards and them trying to piece together their offensive line with the injuries to Stanley, as we talked about, and in a couple others, it, it just seems like the, the oomph isn't really there for them this year. Because they're working with Latavius Murray and Tyson Williams, who's a second year guy. They brought in Devonta Freeman and Le'Veon Bell, and obviously Lamar Jackson is still a threat with his legs. But what Dobbins and Edwards bring to this Ravens team, I mean, it's just, it can't be replaced in some situations because Edwards is someone who rarely loses yards. He is very aware in cutback lanes, he's added to his game in every single year. And for Dobbins, He also, he has some of the best balance I've ever seen out of a running back. So the game plan specificness of it is I think teams understand that, yeah, there's no Dobbins and no Edwards. So if they can stop the run and force Lamar Jackson to throw, then they think they can win the game. When in reality, Lamar Jackson has carved up defenses with his arm and is on pace for over 5,000 passing yards this season. So he is taking another leap. And I think that's been a big part of it. But the run game does have to get it together, I think, because it's always important to have your run game feed off your pass game and your pass game feed off of your run game. And so if teams are selling out to stop the run, you know, that's great. They're leaving one-on-one matchups and whatever, but if the Ravens can start gaining four or five yards per carry, you know, last week against Indianapolis, it was only about three, 3.4 to be exact. So getting that into the groove and getting these running backs up to speed, I think is really important.
1: The Ravens' defense has not allowed a running back to eclipse 60-plus rushing yards in any game this season and are only allowing around 93.2 rushing yards per game. What do you think has been the key for them that has led to them stopping the run with so much success?
0: Yeah, it's it's about the defensive line for starters. You know, the the run defense, I'll say it was the most suspect last week in Week 5. The defensive line was getting bullied a little bit, Jonathan Taylor kind of. Had his way, and the the Colts were ripping off some chunk plays, but the Ravens have a very stout defensive line. Calais Campbell's playing at an all-world level this year. He's having one of his best seasons, in my opinion. He's been one of the Ravens, if not the Ravens' best defender this year. They have Brandon Williams, who's always been a very underrated run stuffer, and it's been really nice to see him be on the field and healthy and, and contributing. They're missing Derek Wolf a little bit. Wolf is on IR. He's not going to be able to play in this one. He was a phenomenal run defender for them in 2020, but it's about the depth. Justin Matabike, who is a second-year guy out of Texas A&M, he's been great. Roger Washington, second year out of Texas Tech, he's been good as well. And they also have disruptors at the outside linebacker position, Adafi Owe, who's been great for them as a rookie. He is a good run defender. They have Pranam McPhee as well, and they're, they're kind of missing what Matthew Judon brought a little bit in the run game, but they've been able to rely on their depth to make sure that running backs don't gash them on the ground. And that in turn helps the secondary, but the secondary hasn't been as advertised this year.
1: Which brings me beautifully to my next question. The pass defense on the other hand has not had anywhere close to the same success than the run defense. They're giving up 296.4 passing yards per game. Why do you think the Ravens have struggled so mightily in that aspect?
0: Yeah, I think it's,
1: really the loss of Marcus Peters.
0: And I know it's kind of hard to pin it all on one guy, but Peters is somebody who is a vocal leader on this defense. His, his game is just unlike any other. He has extremely high football IQ. He takes gambles. Sometimes they don't work, but sometimes they are just incredible and beautiful gambles that pay off in the biggest way. And so losing him so close to the regular season, this wasn't like the Ravens had a month or two to figure it out in the offseason, work with the preseason. Peters went down like 10 days before the regular season started, so they had to shuffle and work with guys and figure it all out. This was also when Jimmy Smith was still injured. Now, Anthony Averett has been phenomenal up until week five. Week five, he was not good. He, it seemed like he was getting mossed and everything was getting caught on every single target, but Marlon Humphrey still Marlon Humphrey, Chuck Clark's playing great football. Tavon Young seems to be back and Deshaun Elliott is somebody who also can make an impact, but it, it just seems like the past defense just isn't there yet. I think it has to do with Peters and also the scheme a bit kind of hurts what they do sometimes in the past, just because they do have a very heavy blitzing defense and that can leave one-on-one matchups. And when receivers are on and the Ravens can't get pressure no corner, no secondary can cover for three, four, five, six seconds, right? Every second, there's a higher percentage of a pass being completed. So that also has something to do with it. But at the end of the day, I think Peters is the biggest reason why the defense has struggled in the past game. But it seems like they were starting to get it, and then Indianapolis was a step back. So maybe they can get it going against the Chargers. But that Chargers offense, I mean, a lot of
1: weapons, a lot of weapons. Yeah, absolutely. And the, my last question here is, if you're the Chargers, what's one week in, one weakness on offense and one on defense that the Chargers would be wise to try to attack on Sunday? Well, starting with the Ravens' offense and how you can slow them down, I mean, a lot of teams
0: have tried to stop the run, as we talked about, and it just hasn't worked. So maybe teams should start trying to do the opposite and sending a couple guys back on the defensive side of the ball to stop Lamar Jackson passing it especially because the run offense hasn't really been able to get anything going partially because teams have been keying in on it, but also just because they've been struggling to find roles for these guys. So I would bank personally on trying to stop Lamar Jackson as a passer and say, Hey, we're going to risk the Ravens figuring it out in the run game, which they haven't been able to do outside of week one and partially week two, which they've been struggling in on defense. The short game works. The short passing game can work against this Ravens team The Ravens have had a really hard time defending screen passes. And partially it's because, again, the aggressive defense, if you're blitzing five, six, seven guys, and you throw a quick screen pass, all those blitzing defenders are behind the line of scrimmage. There are more blockers out in front, and all of a sudden there's open running lanes. So the short passing game, the Ravens are a bend, don't break defense. And if teams attack them in the short and intermediate game, they can get down into the red zone. The Ravens trust the red zone defense. It becomes a bit of a battle, but that can be one
1: area on defense where the Chargers could exploit on the offensive side of the ball. All right, well, that's all I had, so we're going to switch things over to the other side, and Kevin O. Stryker is going to ask me some questions about the Chargers, and we'll get into that right after this. But before we do
0: that, we're back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as Teams are back for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. With a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests, Bet Online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. We return here. It's our final segment of this crossover edition of both Locked On Ravens and Locked On Chargers. Kevin O'Shryker of Locked On Ravens is still here with David Jogavier of Locked On Chargers and David, it's my turn to ask you the questions putting you on the hot seat here. And this has been a very impressive Chargers team, 4-1, and same record as this Baltimore Ravens team. But I want to start not with the quarterback, we'll get to that quarterback in a couple minutes here, but with the coach in Brandon Staley, who I think has been everything and more for this Chargers team so far. And I wanted to ask your opinion just of how you think this Brandon Staley era has gone for you and how impressed, or not if if you're not impressed, but how impressed or not you have been with Brandon Staley so far as a head
1: coach. First of all, I don't know how you couldn't be impressed. Even if you're just looking from the outside in, just the way this man speaks, he is an amazing orator. I mean, he really knows how to put words together and not necessarily using advanced vocabulary. He puts things in ways that you can understand. You can really tell that he's a teacher and everything that he does, his press conferences are appointment television because- there are things you're going to learn from him every single time that he steps up to the podium. He's that type of coach. He's a coach that is very honest with his players. He's very much a player's coach. He he joins them in on the coaching aspect of things. He bounces ideas off of them because he says, hey, I can learn just as much from my players as my players are going to learn from me because those guys are the ones out there and they're the ones that see things on the football field. So Brandon Staley, uh, just a phenomenal communicator. Obviously, he has this Chargers team playing great football. He's been just unbelievably aggressive. On fourth down, he has went for it set, uh, eight times and was successful seven of those times. And the only time they weren't successful is because it was a fake punt uh, where they tried to complete a pass, but Hunter Renfro just made a phenomenal play and and smacked Tavon Campbell before he was able to get to the the first down line or actually catch the football. But uh, he's brought just that idea of analytics to the table, a great communicator, a relationships builder. Uh, He's been everything and more. The Chargers, and I think Chargers fans, really feel like they have found their coach of the future.
0: Yeah, it certainly seems that way to me, David. I've, I've been very impressed. Again, from the outside looking in here on this Chargers team, the, the clips that, pull, that pop up of him, I mean, you're right. He he is somebody who it seems like he has a very good way with words and being a very nice communicator. But let's talk about that quarterback now and Mr. Justin Herbert, somebody who is having a phenomenal start to his sophomore season at the NFL level, completing 67.2% of his passes, 1,576 yards, 13 passing touchdowns, just three interceptions on top of it. This is a this is a star. Justin Herbert is a star at the NFL level, and he is continuing
1: to grow. Was this the type of leap you were expecting from Herbert in year two? I think we were uh, a, l- a little bit apprehensive to say he was going to just jump into the stratosphere because there are so many different variables at play. I mean, you have a new coach. You have a new offensive system. You have a new offensive line in front of you. That's a lot of different types of communication that you need to learn. You have to learn a whole new playbook that's completely different than anything. Now, I mean, of course, they incorporated some of the things that he did well with from his rookie season, but it's very much a lot of new concepts, a lot of new passing concepts, a lot of new rushing concepts. They pretty much have handpicked the best aspects of some of the best offenses from around the NFL. They get you know running concepts from the San Francisco 49ers and Kyle Shanahan, they, they get some pass concepts and some run blocking concepts from Kevin Coger, who is with the Green Bay Packers, who obviously has a, a prolific offense. Uh, the Saints, they get Joe Lombardi, the offensive coordinator, who is the quarterback's coach with Drew Brees for like 15 years. So the one thing in common is all of those offenses, all of those systems do things very, very well. So they kind of took this brainchild of all of these concepts and they mashed them and put them together and built this offense specifically for Justin Herbert, and Justin Herbert is blowing everyone away, just like his rookie season where nobody expected him to come out of the the gates firing and just breaking pretty much every QB statistical category record that there was out there. Uh, We did not see this kind of ascension from Justin Herbert, but it's real. It's time to start believing this kid is the real deal. There's not much he can't do. If you were to build a quarterback from the ground up, most of the time it's probably going to look a little bit like Justin Herbert.
0: Yeah, absolutely. He's been so great this year and not only has he been great, but the weapons around him have been great. One in particular who was having a breakout year and Mr. Mike Williams. Now Mike Williams was, I think a part of some Ravens trade rumors for a little bit last year where maybe the chargers, if they were looking to move off of him, the Ravens could have been a destination, but He's, he's not going anywhere, it seems like, right now. He is he has been absolutely insane for this Chargers team. He leads them in receiving with 471 yards on 31 receptions, six touchdowns, and I think this is the player that Chargers fans were waiting for when they drafted him in the first time with a very high selection. How impressed have you been with Mike Williams and his ascension this season? It's been really
1: nice to watch because you, you see the Chargers and Joe Lombardi using him In more of the short and intermediate passing games, when the first four years of his NFL career was, hey, let's throw it up to Mike Williams and let him go get it. Because that is one aspect of his game that he is better than most wide receivers in the league. He is, you know, a great 50-50 ball jump receiver, but that's not all he is capable of doing. I think you saw here and there when they were able to get him the ball and those crossing routes on those slants that this guy is, has the ability to break tackles and run away from people. And he's more than just the jump ball receiver. And yeah, the Chargers used him in, in the jump ball situations a lot. And more often than not, he would come through with a lot of, of those big plays that they were asking him to do. But in this offense, with the Mike with Joe Lombardi as the offensive coordinator he's in that ex the ex role where Michael Thomas was in the New Orleans Saints offense and Michael Thomas has 150 catches to his name in his career and you know when they asked him about it uh, as far as Joe Lombardi is concerned, about what his stats would look like, Mike Williams' stats would look like at the end of the year. He said, you're probably going to like what you see. And up to this point, that is so true. They're getting him the ball in that short and intermediate uh, aspects and throwing sprinkling in some of those long bombs, too, as you saw against the Browns in their previous game. But they're just giving him more opportunities to show what he's capable of doing, and he is taking advantage of all of them. Yeah,
0: he is taking advantage, and we know about Williams and obviously Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, some of those weapons as well. But who are a couple of offensive pass catching weapons, or even running the football as well? Some underrated ones who Ravens fans should be keeping an eye out for on Sunday.
1: Yeah, so the the one I really love to throw out there for people that don't know the Chargers is their gigantic tight end Donald Parham Jr. Donald Parham is six foot eight. He is a gigantic human being with obviously a massive wingspan. If you throw it pretty much anywhere in his area, he's going to come down with it. And he's deceptively quick for a man of his size. He's able to make people miss, and obviously he can run through some people, too, with that bulk. But he is a guy, if you look at his production, his catches-to-touchdown ratio is absolutely insane. Uh, it just seems like every other catch, he is scoring a touchdown. So Donald Parham is a weapon that you're going to see a lot on third downs and in the red zone that the Chargers are definitely going to try to get matched up on one of those linebackers.
0: Yeah, it will be smart, and hopefully the Ravens will get more out of their linebackers and Patrick Queen. Emily Karrison, both who have kind of struggled to start the year so far. But finally here, David, I want to flip, talk about this Chargers defense. Tons and tons of playmakers now. Obviously, the run defense has not been amazing, uh, putting it nicely this year, not been great. What are some strengths and obviously some of those weaknesses that this Chargers defense has?
1: Yeah, so the Chargers are very, very good against the pass. I think that there's no real... uh, deceptions about that out there. I think a lot of people know that Derwin James is back and he's the all world safety who can literally do anything that you ask him to do on the football field. Um, The chargers have sorely missed his leadership um, and and that voice. I mean, he just, he has a presence to him. When you, when he steps into the room, he's that guy that eyes are glued to him. He just, people gravitate to him. He's a magnetic type of guy. Uh, The chargers have sorely missed him and he has been everywhere He's played five different positions for the Chargers on defense because he can handle all of those responsibilities. Obviously, you got Joey Bosa, the pass rusher, who is one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, um, and he's doing some great things. The sack numbers aren't really there, but the pressures and the hurries are definitely there. He still has a pass win, win rate that's one of the best in the NFL. So those are a couple of superstars that Brand, that Brandon Staley likes to get put around the football and they try to scheme that as much as they possibly can. Obviously, there's no secret that the Chargers biggest deficiency or biggest issue is their run defense. And a lot of the times it's because they don't really they don't really care about their run defense as much as they don't want to keep they don't want guys to score, but it's really similar to the Ravens in the fact that they play that bend but don't break. When you get into the red zone, they really are going to start clamping down. But I think it really just comes down to a talent issue on the defensive line. They just don't have the bodies necessary to stop the run. They do the best they can, and they've shown some decent performances, but it has not been good enough. And the Chargers have been ran all over to the tune of 150-plus rushing yards per game. They're dead last in the NFL. Obviously, if you want to move the ball in the Chargers, put it in the gut of a running back.
0: Yeah, hopefully this could be the game where the Ravens get that running game on track for them, or maybe they could do it, but both two very exciting teams matching up in week six. That's all the questions I have though for you, David. So I think that's all we have today on this crossover. It was great
1: talking with you and really I'm looking forward to, I think a pretty phenomenal game here. Oh, there's no question about it. We're uh, in tune for some fireworks and I can't wait to see how this one plays out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's all that we have for you here today. I'm both Locked On Ravens and Locked On Chargers. When we get back here tomorrow, we'll be back with our respective shows. So stay tuned for that, and we will see you tomorrow.